Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Punch, Kick, Choke, Chat. My name is Sean Benson. I am one of your hosts. And uh, I'm not just one of your hosts, but I am one of your hosts' night chat hosts. Every once in a while, we do these hosts', hosts chats. Uh, say that fast, like many times in a row. Hosts' chats. Uh, I love them because, you know, we get to just banter around the topics. It's very much the spirit of this show. If you're new with us, Punch, Kick, Choke, Chat is derived uh, he'll deny it, but mainly by Sensei Dolphin, sort of activating during COVID the concept of being able to sit in the back seat of a car, a couple masters in the front seat having a conversation. And, and I know many of us on this call have, have learned so much, maybe as much or if not more as in the dojo during, you know, those drives or something similar to them. And that's what we're trying to do here with this show. And the host chat has a really laid back vibe. We also want you to know that during the host chat, there's a special part to it that I'm gonna introduce when we do our housekeeping, but we're really glad you're here with us live. Every week I get to introduce Sensei Nicolas Suino. It, it, it's, it's one of these things where I just go, oh, he's an eighth day in the Ido, he's a sixth day in Jiu Jitsu, a sixth day in Judo. Um, and, and what I've started to realize is the magnitude of that. You know, the more training I put in, the more I realize, holy crap, like I'm not even a serious martial artist yet. And uh, this man's a serious martial artist, uh, three disciplines over. And that blows my mind. It truly does. I'm not just blowing smoke. It's, um, we talked about this on one of our shorter shows. The more one teaches, the more time you have to spend keeping up your own skills away from what you might call the spotlight, the harder it is to find your teachers. You're growing your own clubs. And this is a man who's done that with the Japanese Martial Arts Center in Ann Arbor, Michigan. And I just want to say it's such an honor to, it's an honor to take for granted how much you've done in the martial arts since this, we know. How are you doing tonight? Hey, Sean. Thanks for that intro. I'm doing well. Thank you. Always a pleasure to be introduced and to uh, realize that from the outside, things often look very different than they do from the inside, right? Mm -hmm. Just a, I'm just a dude who fell in love with martial arts at age eight and never, ever quit. Uh, but, you know, if you stick around long enough and bust your ass, some good things happen. And uh, I, that, that's happened to all of us, right? We've, we've, we've made lives in the martial arts and and never quit. A lot of, lot of, a uh, lot of sweat, blood, sweat, and tears between between the day one and and today. But thanks for that. Thanks for teeing that up. Always, Sensei. Uh, you introduce Sensei Randy Dauphin. Also, casually mention his ranks: seventh dan karate, fourth dan iaido, uh, and uh, multi-time international champion in karate. And also a successful competitor in Eido as well, but more importantly, just somebody who sets a sets the bar really high for uh, physical fitness, for uh, uh, aspiration, uh, for commitment to the martial arts, and many other things. Randy, great to see you as always. I'm looking forward to our visit in person coming up in about two weeks. Uh, but meanwhile, here we are. How are you, and uh, what's going on? I'm good. I can't. I can't. Uh... Can't promise you I'm not going to be emotional when I see you live. <laughs> so, like, if you want to get cameras out to watch, like, uh, that guy that you just introduced blubber in your driveway, then you might, <laughs> that, that might be that might be good. Doing good. Tonight's my last night as a 49 year old. Ooh, wow! Yeah, tonight's Amazing. my last night. Yeah, yeah. And so, to commemorate that, I jumped rope for like an hour and. Did like just a boatload of heavy deadlifts, but tonight will be my last heavy lifting night because I want to not get injured between now and the 11th, but I'm doing great since, you know, looking forward to this. These are the ones where it's like, 
when we have the guests on as we're doing this, like there's, you know, you're doing this research. So there's this pressure to like, make sure you do um, this intro that makes them feel really good. And I like that pressure and I'm happy that we can do that for them. But tonight it's nice to just come turn the thing on 15 minutes before we let anybody in. Mm. Um, all of us just kind of laugh and joke around and then that vibe just keeps going. So thanks for the intro. Since, you know, I'm doing great. I'm glad to see you. And I'm going to introduce Sense of Legacy. Uh, Sense of Legacy, I'll casually mention that he's a Sense of Legacy. And he's a member of the Canadian Black Belt Hall of Fame. And he's an author, as Sense of Legacy is. Um, and, you know, I always casually mention this, like that he was a student of Harold Warden's and Benny Allen's and Richard Kim's and Anthony Sandoval's and Sense of Legacy. But I'll say something I just want to say. Sensei Legacy is truly a great student. Like, and I don't mean like do your basics good, do your kata good. I mean like doing it like everything that you would want a student to do, Sensei Legacy does for his teachers. Always. Like he promotes them. He holds it. I've never seen him teach a white crane seminar where he didn't go out and gush about Sensei Sandoval, his teacher, and how good he is. And um He's just, to me, a great representative of what a great student should be and not losing that student mindset. Um, how are you doing tonight, Sense Legacy? You good? I'm very good. Looking forward to tonight. Yeah. Awesome. I wanted to also mention something about Benson because uh, he often doesn't get the big, big, hairy introduction that the rest of us get. And now that we're doing less of a big, hairy introduction, he gets even less of it. So. <laughs> I just want to say that, you know, Sean, in addition to being like a really good martial artist, and he always defers to us as the seniors, let's face it, he's very high ranking karate guy. He's a fifth degree black belt. He's very accomplished in kata. He's a really good fighter. He's done Iido. And he's excited because tomorrow he's going to do his first BJJ tournament. And I'm super proud of him that he would go out and pursue another art and he would take it so seriously that he's going to sack up and get out on the floor i'm proud of you ben so good for you for doing that tomorrow thanks and say i really saturday, appreciate sorry. that it's it's saturday yeah and i just want to really quickly and you know we we do defer a lot here but it's always for a good reason none of this would be happening if it weren't for sensei suino we went down for the crucible and we did our iido we did our mental work we did our striking work we did our, our judo and uh last two hours we rolled and i really enjoyed it and so i came home and with my sensei's permission and if you're watching, you're like, what do you mean? I'm, I'm an adult. I can do what I want. But I would never just do something without asking my sensei within the martial arts. And both my senseis were like, fuck yeah, go do that. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm nervous. I'm excited. I cannot wait. And I've been training like crazy in all my martial arts. And when I get nervous for the jits, I just go, you're a karate man. You know how to do this. And then it sort of ping pongs back and forth. It's really nice. So thanks for that, sensei. No problem, man. Do your housekeeping. Great. Uh, everybody, so what I was alluding to earlier is that we're so glad you're here. We're always glad you're here. But I'm especially glad you're here when we do the host chat because we put the camera on you when you have your questions. So we're really excited for you to ask questions. Robert Shlumsky, Sensei Shlumsky, who's uh, hosting behind the scenes, um, he just threw up in the bottom the chat button. That's where you can fire him a question. And we'd like to have you come on camera and ask it and have a little bit of a chat with us, be part of this living history. If you don't want to, that's fine. We'd love if you did, though. Um, and the other thing is, you know, 
we're all adults here. The four of us especially know each other well. If you don't like the language, if you don't like the stories, bra, bra. Um, and then the last thing that is as important as anything is tonight we are sponsored by the Japanese Martial Arts Center and by Legacy Shoranru. And uh, we have a little something. Uh, I'm going to throw it to Sensei Dolphin to talk about the swag he's wearing, the swag. What you got That's on there? Cool. Great shirt. Yeah. Punch Sheet Choke Chat swag. Sensei Suino set this all up. Uh, oh, uh, Robbie just put the link down there. So, you know, you can you can go get this stuff. Uh, Sensei Suino did the heavy lifting for that. We kind of collaborated on the logo, um, as we do with everything. But once we had the logo solidified, T-shirts, hoodies, jackets, coffee mugs, water bottles. I'm not going to degenerate too far <laughs> with, <laughs> with what you can get with the punch kitchen. <laughs> but the other thing is, if you, uh, if you want to sponsor the show, we're happy to mention your school, your studio. We're also, yes. well, not me. I won't wear your stuff. But since Legacy will, he's actually wearing Heritage. He's wearing a Heritage uh, martial arts t-shirt tonight and we love kiyoshi james freeze he's yeah. one of our best friends been on the show just awesome human being so says the Sweeno mighty i wear something too we probably talk them into it i won't um sean will wear anything so you won't have to work hard to get him yeah, to wear pretty, it. pretty chill with it pretty the tighter the better the tighter the, better, not, the, the tighter the brighter the better yeah you're only going to see me wearing legacy sharon rue J-Mac or punch kick joke chat. That's it, sadly. But I, I hope you want to sponsor us. And I hope you want your thing, your dojo mentioned. And then I hope you're proud when you see Sensei Legacy or Sensei Suino wearing it. And not like super grateful if you see Sean Benson wearing it, because we already established you'll wear anything. I'll, I'll wear pretty much anything. <laughs> <clears throat> um, thanks yeah. for that, Sensei. By the way, you know, speaking of uh, Sensei Freeze, uh, let's talk a little bit about, uh, your birthday event. So you mentioned that it's your last day midnight. I don't know if you celebrate at midnight. I don't, I wake up the next day and call that the beginning, but either way, what's going on next weekend to celebrate and why am I mentioning Sensei Freeze? So Sensei Freeze does an event. He calls it the uh, warrior weekend. Um, and it through COVID it's turned into the one day warrior. And it's a fundraiser for cystic fibrosis and he does a great job with it. And he's literally raised like hundreds of thousands of dollars for that. And if you're not aware, Kyoshi Freeze, he's not normal. He has CF mm -hmm. and he's lived like about quadruple the amount of time that anybody's supposed to live with that. And I, I say that there's no end in sight. Like this isn't a pity party for Kyoshi Freeze. Like he's a total badass. He's in amazing shape, like fights all the time. So but on the 11th, what I wanted to do was for myself, just do something to commemorate my birthday, my 50th birthday. Uh, Sensei Legacy, when he turned 50, he did a very similar thing. So I wanted to do something that was in line with what my sensei had done on his 50th birthday. And then I just thought, could we do something that will do good for the community? So get everybody to give you 20 bucks that wants to do two minutes with you. So 50 people are coming and We've raised about $2,500 for CF so far. Um, really proud of that. And I'm really looking forward to, and there's still a couple of rounds left. I think we got like maybe eight or nine rounds left. Uh, and Kyoshi Freeze said any rounds that nobody takes, he's fighting those rounds, he's already claimed them. So um, 
So that'll be good. And the only other round that nobody can have is round 50 because Sensei Legacy is going to pound on me in that last round. So. <coughs> Thanks, that's Sensei. That's awesome. And uh, if you look on the bottom, Robert just threw up the, the GoFundMe. So even if you can't make it, even if you can't, uh, you know, have a two minute round, which I highly recommend. I highly recommend. We've been going down to do fight nights with Sensei and, you know, it, it's impossible to forget, but I always forget how incredible it is to stand opposite you and, and trade kicks and punches sense it's you know i mean that and you know for anybody who hasn't had the chance i really recommend that you just take a breath throw 20 bucks towards that and if you can't throw 100 bucks toward it and that would have been the gas money you would have spent so everybody a million did too oh million oh million so how do we want to jump in here everybody we've got a question do we want to start with the question or should we start with one of our own Let's start with their question. If somebody has a question, let's right. John Ryan, Sensei Ryan, let's um, let's throw the camera on him, and I think you're going to really enjoy this question. John, hello, hi everybody, how you doing? Hey, John. So my question is, you guys are all Eido guys as well as empty hand martial artists. My question is, how has the Eido training enhanced or affected your empty hand training? I didn't prime him with that sense of spinner. It's just <laughs> very that he said that. Yeah. You want me to be last on that or first? Um, yeah, who do you want, John, to answer it first? Well, I want all of you, but we'll go with Sensei Sweeno first. Yeah, man. Uh, well, transformative. Iaido is so concerned with the Iaido we do is so concerned with structure with the placement of the bones, using the muscles to move the bones and generate strength because of leverage and position. Um, uh, it's so detailed and focused that it's really transformed my understanding of where I am in space at all times. So it's affected everything I do, whether that be judo, jujitsu, karate, uh, or anything else. And I'm just talking physical right now. There's more dimensions, but uh, just talking physically, I've never experienced any martial art that was more uh, instructive about where your body is in space and uh, learning to sense that, to put yourself where you want to be and to generate power efficiently. That's the short story. <laughs> okay. <laughs> John, your host, direct traffic and ask who you want to ask. Um, Hunchy. Well, uh, what I found from it, it, um, it really refines your thinking. What it, what it really does is it, it calms your mind and turns you inwardly so that you can work yourself or be your best self in, in and out. In karate, I can punch you anywhere and um, it will have an effect, a certain effect. But when you do an EI, you're aiming to cut in the best places that will take your, take your life, we'll say, like the samurai, and to uh, cut certain um, places where you're gonna bleed out. You don't, uh, I don't believe that, uh, and I, I stand to be corrected. I don't believe that your intent is to kill, but, um, to actually cut someone so that they, you don't have to spend a lot of time trying to kill them in a real battle. 
as opposed to them just laying there and bleeding to death. It, it just sort of gives you a different mindset of how things are when other people have swords. You can't be turning your back on another swordsman to cut someone and have a guy with the same three foot razor blade standing behind you. So I think it moves your mind around a lot faster than karate. Kyoshi? So I'll give you a couple of thoughts, John. Uh, one thing that I, I like about Iaido that I also like about karate is the history, right? I like, there's slightly different histories, Okinawan history and Japanese history, but there's no doubt about it. When you, when you grab a hold of that sword, it's like Miyamoto Musashi had to do that. Udagari Ichiyan had to do that. Like, which is very similar to when you punch or you do, Matsumura did that, Hitosu did that. So there's this, this common historic lineage feeling that you get from both. Um, building on what Sensisrino said about that physical structure, I find that my Iaido, it really helped my karate katas. Just in the way you have to analyze things, how you feel, why didn't that work? Did this, and then you just find common principles, right? That are the same, but the structure of both. And it, it helps you in both ways. Uh, to execute your basic techniques. Um, <clears throat> the real commonality that I find in them is uh, there's an escalation of consequence for making mistakes, right? While in karate, you know, the consequence will, could be death. Like, like let's be realistic. Like in the consequence of a mistake in karate could be death. The consequence of mistakes in Iaido is likely death. Like it's, <laughs> it's likely death if you, um, so that's one thing. And then just how it informed and helped is having the right tool for the right job at the right time in self-defense, right? If you have to defend yourself and you're in a phone booth, Katana might not be the best, the best choice of weapons in that instance. And just like, I like to tell the students in here, um, if somebody drops an atom bomb on Kitchener tonight, your karate is probably not going to allow you to defend yourself against that. Um, so those are my thoughts on how it adds but I, I, the final thing I'll say John before you turn it over to Sean is yep. if you do anything for your entire life it all just becomes you and it all just kind of blends together so it's like I'm just this guy who does karate physical fitness Iaido shoots guns that's just who Randy is <clears throat> Sensei Benson do you have anything to add just a we're little, a little bit, closer John, in know. training yeah, I haven't trained a ton of Iaido, but I, I have for almost two decades and I always will have that as part of my training. It's just not a major focus. So I don't want to comment too much, but I can tell you this because karate is so inside out for me, I don't have great perspective on it. And I remember once looking around the room at any Iaido thing, and it was not Sensei Suino's club and thinking, shit, there's warriors in here and there's people who I perceive as tending toward cosplay because once you strap that sword on once you got that split skirt on you feel a certain way but you don't necessarily do anything that reflects that yet and so i kind of said okay for the like but for the grace of god there never will go i so it gave me perspective where i went yeah same with the bow staff and our angry pajamas like that could be me if i don't train in a way that Sensei Suino and, and Sensei Dolphin and Sensei Legacy train with their Iaito, 
so I have to train that way, but I also have to train my karate that way. I can never let my karate become something that feels a way it isn't because we get to dress up and be formal and bow to each other. So it made me go careful this way. You could uh, feel a way that you aren't. Was that in Montreal or was that in Etobicoke? Montreal. Montreal. Yeah. <clears throat> Ask one more question. Let's just, uh, just finish this off. Just one thing. All martial arts to the practitioner does the same thing to them on the inside. Even though physically we're punching and uh, Sensei Suino does the sword, all the results and all the training and all the inside benefits are all the same. So it, it just enhances every art. Um, could I ask, what does an Iaido competition look like? I think ours were different, right? Since this, you know, yours was slightly different than the way I did mine. Uh, well, I can tell you what they look like in, typically in the big cities in Japan. Um, they're all day affairs. There's a fair amount of pomp and circumstance in the beginning. And then uh, the lowest ranking folks are called upon to demonstrate in front of a board of examiners. And that can be somewhere between three and seven senior officials and usually there's two components. There's like a compulsory set of techniques and then an optional set of techniques. Typically not a ton of them, probably no more than five in each set, maybe seven for the more senior people. And you'll typically have showdowns first and need on second and sandans third. And about eight hours later, after 300 people have demonstrated, you'll have the hachidans and uh, if there's any around, some kudans and, and judans. Um, and then there's more pomp and circumstance around if it's a if it's a tournament it there'll be you know points awarded and medals awarded and announcements and if it's a the testing is very similar it's just at the end what they're announcing is uh, the outcome of the of the ranking um it's a long slog the one thing that surprised me was uh the japanese are actually pretty informal about requiring people to 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 pay attention uh, you know, the board is paying attention, the demonstrators are paying attention, but maybe just because it's a whole day event, they really didn't care what people did in the meantime. You can go out and have a, have a can of green tea and, and uh, listen to your Walkman in those days or have lunch or whatever, but you just had to be there on tea, ready to go when it was your time. Of course, I was, I knew I had short time in Japan, so my eyes were glued on the, on the demonstrators all day. But it's a pretty straightforward event, and uh, you were rated on your ability to follow the procedures and and Matt hit the checkpoints required by the association you're in. Okay. That's great. Thanks very much. Can I, 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 I stay on, on camera, John? I just sure. want to throw this up to either you or Sensei Dofan, but I know that checkpoint training is something that definitely changed our karate, like mine with you, Sensei Dofan. Like you, that's something that we worked on a lot. And, you know, just maybe expand on what that is briefly. Pernuda doesn't know who's listening. Sensei Suino, what, what, what would you describe as checkpoint training? And Sensei Dofa, how would you flip that to karate? Uh, so uh, checkpoints in Iaido are probably things you'd expect, you know, where a, a foot should be pointed straight forward, the knee should be bent X amount. Um, and then with a sword, what angle the sword is drawn on, 
you know, posture during cuts. That's the, the kind of the poses, right? And then in between the poses, the speed of movement uh, uh, and timing. And then uh, the next level is intent, right? Are you creating uh, the appearance of pressure and are you conducting yourself with dignity? Uh, and then the, I guess sort of the last thing is, well, there's two, two, two higher levels. One is, uh, is the audience convinced of your, uh, of the realism of the, of the activity that you're involved in? And then I think the, the apex skill is in boxing, what they call ring generalship. Even if, even if you don't hit the person, you're still in control. And a really good Iaido practitioner is in control of the room like a great actor on stage. Uh, that's, a, that's an apex skill, and very few people get to that level. Yeah. Anything you want to add, Sensei Dofin, to relate that to kata and karate or anything like that? Or just like, you know, it's, it's nothing that everybody who's in our club wouldn't know, right? So <clears throat> I think first you have to build structure into somebody. Otherwise their power is going to be going everywhere. So building that form in, right? Like what's your base, eyes, feet, hands, you know, hands first, then feet. Where's your chamber? If it starts in the right spot, it's probably going to end in the right spot. Or, and then if it ends in the right spot, it probably traveled in the right path, right? So if it started on your hip and you were trying to hit the middle of the body and it ended in that spot, then it probably traveled the right path. And then, you know, when you get to the more intermediate level, then as Sensusfino was talking about, there's more summation. It looks like, it looks like your hand and foot moved at the same time, but you just did it in a way that your foot still stopped and then your hand stopped. But that's what I like to call summation. And then you get into the higher levels and that stuff happens without a lot of conscious thought and basically very effortless. Um, and then, you know, since you know, called it ring generalship, I like to call that you're, you have the ability to impose your will on another person, right? You have, that's the culmination for me. You see it. And then you see that in everything that the person does. If they're doing kata, you see that they impose their will on you while they're doing kata, or if you're fighting them or you're doing bunkai, it's just clear to you that this person's doing to you what they want to, whether you want it done or not. Thanks very that. much. I appreciate that. Yeah, thanks, Sensei. Um, thanks, John. Nice to see it. Nice Sensei Dofan, I know you have a question you wanted to get into about our time during COVID. Well, we can do that one or any of the other ones. Um, don't have to be mine. Let's do but it. Mine was just a simple thing. We could just go around the horn and just talk about anything that we're proud of that's uh or any observations during the pandemic that you saw in martial arts that were good bad or the other um as they relate to you why don't you start sean and then we'll go sense of legacy and then we'll go sense of, you know sure um you know i talked about this on some of the episodes but you know you you within one day set up the zoom so that that club there even though the doors were shut uh, the training never stopped like ever like I actually oh, trained with you more. yeah they were <laughs> allegedly uh, but I've never trained with you more because I didn't have to drive the distance and it was actually a gift so I was it's weird COVID's been a really good thing for me and I if anybody's been sick or if anybody's lost anything I don't mean to negate that but I'm speaking from my own experience 
I've gotten close with my partner, you know, work's been fine. But in terms of martial arts, it has been a heyday for me. I've had free time. I've been training five to seven days a week, every week without fail. The only pauses are for nurturing my body. Um, you've all been available this show. And then, you know, we, we talked about it in the pre-show. I mean, my Toronto club, I've got teenagers who did not miss one class during COVID in their dad's basement, in their mom's basement, um, in the park, new students joining in the park, in the snow, snow this deep. Like, I'm so grateful for that. Whatever, you know, the Toronto club looks like in 10 years, I believe it will strongly owe its, itself to the fortitude that not just me, I just showed up and did what I do, but people just kind of going, yeah, that, that works, that works, that works, that works. And then, uh, now we've grown into the gym. So anyways, uh, it's really just the time. And also, you know, I'm not blowing smoke here, but yes, I am. Your Zoom leadership. I'm grateful for that. <laughs> is what it is. <laughs> so, so you see, what do you got? What thoughts do you have about the pandemic and things that you saw that shouldn't have happened or did happen? Yeah. It, I personally, because I'm an older guy who trained you know, when previous to all this stuff, um, I, I didn't like it at first so much working on Zoom like this because a lot of the stuff, the atmosphere and that was missing. But on the good side, it really had, this, had me training with people all over the world, people I've met that I know now that were friends and it would have never happened in any other way. Sorry. And then you really find out how much um, a part of your life martial arts is when they take that away from you. You know what I mean? It was, I, I really can't explain, it just left a hollow feeling that you couldn't walk in there with your students. It's, you know, it's like playing hockey or uh, being roughing around with the guys. But then when you do your martial arts, you know, you miss the people, you miss the action, you miss the body, mind, and spirit workouts. Just so many things in that way. Thanks, Sensei. Sensei Sino, any anything that you want to add? Thoughts? Well, I mean, I think every one of us on this call uh, would agree that Punch, Kick, Choke, and Chat has just been amazing to be able to connect with the world of martial arts, to connect with you guys first and foremost, and then to connect with the world of martial arts and just a, in, a, in a deeper way, people all over the world we never would have met otherwise, or people that we knew, but now we understand more about them. And that process is continuing, right? We're going to team up we're teeing up new guests, people that are yeah. in our extended network, and we're going to get to know them better. Some of those people will become good friends. We'll train with them. That's that's astonishing. I mean, if nothing else, the show has done that for us. Um, and then on a more specific uh, note, you know, in late summer, early fall of 2020, I was just not sure JMAC was going to survive. Uh, you know, we were in dire straits. Our governor had shut the state down, as particularly had shut down gyms and you know, in fitness, fitness clubs and martial arts schools. Um, and, and the generosity of the JMAC members got us through that stage. And 
and now we are we are 100% back to where we were pre-COVID, uh, both in terms of student numbers and financially. And that's just, I mean, we have some some ground to make up, but uh, what a blessing! So uh, I can't, I, I'm unbelievably grateful for both of those things. I like that. I I agree that <clears throat> punch kick choke chat has been great. Stands out. Kind of that idea was around though before COVID for me. I had talked to you about it. Even Beth, your student, had been bugging you and I to do some type of a podcast. And you know, you guys say, "Oh, it was my idea." But even like, I don't know if I didn't know Benson and had been on movie sets with him and did if this would have ever even like without having that relationship with Sean, like would you even think this is possible for a person like a kid from Windsor who just likes doing martial arts? Right. So, um, so definitely punch kick choke chat is super cool. Personally. Like, I think it's pretty cool that I got my fourth end during COVID like that. And yeah, I know that's uh, that stands out in my mind. That's I'm not sure that, but the other, the other thing for me is world martial arts live. I can't believe we mm. freaking pulled that off. Like, like that is one of the most like that's a historic event i feel like with hunchy Terrian, like and hunchy sai and us working together to do that like i i gotta be honest my boss knows about this i had a job interview and that's all they wanted to talk to me about was world martial arts live when i mentioned it to them in the job interview where they said uh about a situation during covid and how did you turn a negative into a positive? And I started talking about that. We talked about that for like 30 minutes. Like the vice president of the university called me later and was like, I really want to work with you one day. So that to me, like World Martial Arts Live stands out in my mind is something all of us will always be. It's so cool that we did that together. Like I'm just so excited that we did that together. Again, because it's innovative, cutting edge. Nobody else did it that way. Nobody. Like, and it pretty much was seamless. It went up. You know, what's a measure of success? YouTube shut us down. We had so many simultaneous connections globally that they thought it was a security violation. They <laughs> shut us down. I freaking love that. That's, <laughs> that's the best. Um, but I do want to touch on what Sense Legacy said. It dawned on me, I think, about halfway through the pandemic about that, oh, I want to go in and train and I can't. It just dawned on me that we're not really special. That's not the first time that ever happened in history. You know, it was illegal in Japan at certain times to do martial arts. It was illegal in Okinawa, you know, but it still persevered and it kept going. And here we are. It's still going. J-Max stronger than ever. Stood in here the other night. There were 19 white belts lined up in here in a class. Like... I loved it. Yeah. So that was my topic that, and I like what we talked about. What do you think? To, well, I just want to add one quick idea to that because, um, and it's based on something Hanchi said, like about realizing how important it is. Like, and this doesn't really apply to anyone who's here live. And if you're tuning in on the podcast or on YouTube, uh, maybe you're newer to the martial arts, but I remember about six months in when things were still pretty shut down and it was really like, Everyone had a lot of extra free time. This maybe not everybody, but I remember saying, if you've been promising yourself, you're going to like learn German on Duolingo and you haven't done it yet, just scratch it off your list. You're not going to do like you have the time you're sitting around like, and so if you thought you were going to like 
oh, I just need time and then I'll become a hardcore martial artist. If you didn't do that during this, that's cool, but that might not be your thing. You might want it to be your thing. It might be on your list. Again, look at our guests. I mean, they're all masters, masters in training or have logged in here every week. It's not really who I'm talking to, but I think people who didn't quit during this will be the vanguard of our whole next 20, 30 years of martial arts. And people who did quit, they weren't going to last in any real way anyways. You know, Sean, I just, I want to, I'd love to hear what people think about this. Um, Victoria Feth, one of the senior students in this dojo said to me, and I, I've thought about it a lot since she said it, she said, you know why Legacy Shoranru Kitchener, Legacy Shoranru, J-Mac um, continued on through the pandemic is because we offer more than a financial transaction. Mm. We offer a lot more than you give us money and we give you a package and then you get it and you get to move on. And she said, Sensei, you know, when you said you were going to close the dojo, the dojo family got together and said, no, you're not. Like, <laughs> this is much more important than the money. This is about the people and the relationships and the training. Like, and the training is one of the pillars of what, and I think a benefit of COVID is a lot of shitty business school, martial arts schools are gone. Mm. To me, that's a benefit. Mm. That's, I was just going to say that exact same thing. <laughs> I was going to direct it to Sensei Suino. And it's also showed us what a good instructor Sensei Suino is and how caring and how well-trained he is when your students won't let you shut down. That, that says a lot about you, Sensei Suino. Well, you know, I was having this conversation with another business person the other day, and it just, it, it, it was remarkable how many other businesses I know, whether they be martial arts or fitness, really struggled when they were all about the financial transactions. You know, if they made the mistake during COVID of telling their students, hey, you got a contract, you've got to honor it. That was almost a sure way to get their students to quit and say, nothing doing, you're not making me pay during COVID. It never occurred to me to do that. It occurred to mm. me to go to my students and go, hey, you know, JMAC needs you. If you want to step up, this would be a great time. Uh, uh, because you're right, it's not a financial transaction, right? There's a lot more to it than that. And if you make it all about the money, I think you have a, you make the mistake of, of uh, almost making it impossible to have the more meaningful things be as important as they really are. You know, I, I say to the, at the recommendations, I've been going around to the recommendations. We have a grading coming up on the weekend. And I've thanked all the students that were there. I've said, thank you so much for being here, continuing to train. Because if you were a fucking quitter, COVID would have been the perfect excuse for you yes. to just pack your fucking bags yes. and go home. Yes. Right? And the, all the people who are like, who started during COVID and continued or before that, they're not quitters. Like they're still here. Um, they didn't let something like a major global event stop them from doing something that they're passionate about and they love. So. That's the thing, eh? Like there's a mindset of something being an obligation. And then there's a mindset of this is something I'll do no matter what, you know, like, I, I don't know. I don't know how people transition to that. For me, it was week one of karate. I was just like, okay, I'm just doing this now. 
uh, when I moved away from Western, I was like, okay, where do I do this now? Okay, now I'm moving to Vancouver, then LA, where do I do this now? I, it was innate, but you know, I think those people for whom it's like, crap, I should go to karate. And it's like, we probably won't see them in the new year, you yeah. know, in the, in the new paradigm. And, and, and that's okay. There's something right, they'd right. rather be doing. Yeah. yeah, crap, I should go to karate tonight. Should you? Should you? Really? Nobody should will you? miss you if you don't. <laughs> Man, now there's something that, that we might want to talk about at some point. You know, people start martial arts and it's usually not very long before you can kind of recognize whether they've got that thing or not. You know, there's a big difference between people who show up and go, crap, I should, I should really go to the dojo tonight. And other people who go, this is just what I do. Um, I've got some kids like that, right? I got kids that have been doing karate with me for nine months and they've, they're already that, that way. Now, maybe in three years, it'll be different. But right now, those, those kids are like, I'm a martial artist. I go to my fuck, they don't say it, I go to my fucking karate class, but they, they show up. And th that seems like it's unconnected to age and it's unconnected to physical gifts. There's just some quality in people that they decide this is my thing, man. And I'm in it. Those kids will say, fuck, I need to go to karate after I'm done with them. <laughs> I think a lot of them feel like Superman simply because they have a secret identity. You're a good, they become good fighters, they become confident, but they don't wear their karate gis, but inwardly they feel that they have a secret identity. They are a karate man, or they are a swordsman. They are a martial artist. And I think that once that gets a hold of them mentally, inwardly, um, they almost um, dedicate their lives to, to make themselves a better superhero. So cool. You know, and if instructors are listening out there, use that example. I've had uh, kids that uh, they're standing around and doing stuff. They're not trying that hard. And I'd stop and say, come here. Man. I said, how would you like to have a secret identity, just like Superman? And I got their attention right away. And then you explain to them, you don't wear your karate uniform out there, but you still carry what you've learned in the dojo out there. And you could help people in the street. And that, that sort of captures the world. I think there's that great moment too, you know, Sensei Dofan, you talk a lot about the fantasy of karate, like for a newcomer, you know, I was talking to my class last night about like blood sport, like blood sport for me will always be a perfect movie, no matter how dated it becomes, because it was one of the fantasies that brought me into the Western dojo. Uh, and then the beautiful thing is when I realized that, you know, that the way it looks in the movie fantasy isn't quite true and you don't stand on the tip of a sword what you just talked about hanchi actually became the better like oh my god i'm gonna learn who i am through this like i didn't realize it was like a brilliant bait and switch like i'm gonna go there and learn how to dance on treetops and it's like oh no i'm gonna get something better i'm gonna kind of get to know who sean is and walk sean's path and that i can't even imagine like wow like, where did that come from? Next question. Thinking in. I'll throw out one idea that I wanted to chat about a little bit, because, you know, a lot of the um, 
the guests we have cite Bruce Lee as their uh, their guy. Their, uh, the, well, not necessarily their guy, but they believe is the most influential martial artist of all time in our 10 questions. And I love Bruce Lee. I respect the hell out of Bruce Lee. But if you watch that, you know, demo footage from the 60s um, and, uh, you know, there's a bit of showmanship to it and he's not really fighting, but people will be like Bruce Lee fighting, but he's got that gear on and he's, you know, doing his stuff. He doesn't really have a fight record. So where does that live for us within the fact that if you comment any of that on, let's say, a post of his, people will come at you like you've insulted Jesus on the cross. He's a religious figure. But he doesn't have the track record that a lot of us respect. But then at the same time, he did some stuff for martial arts that no one may ever do again. So, you know, let's start with you, Hanchi. Like, where does that live for you, the whole thing? Uh, well, she was a respectable martial artist in that. Uh, I believe that you're right. He, he doesn't have that record, at least that I know of. But um, he did show everybody the way it should be, the way it should work, the possibilities. I guess that's basically it. That's why he's the most influential, because right. he did make people dream. So that's awesome. my look at it. Yeah. Sensei Suino? Key that up again. I've lost the thread of the question a little bit. The thread is really just, you know, I don't think anyone can really deny, or if you have a different opinion, he's at least number one, two, or three for influential. But, you know, you look back at the, the footage of him and it's, there's some showmanship to it. There's some tricks there that he's doing in those demos. Um, he doesn't really have a fight record. So, you know, he's become a religious icon to some doesn't have a lot of the stuff we even talk about, like going mano a mano with grit, but fuck, I mean, what a specimen that he did. Where does that fit for you? That, yeah. Um, I think we've talked a little bit about this show. Some people rise above their status as regular human beings and become icons. Mm -hmm. And he just did that somehow. And so whether he had a fight record or not, he just become a symbol for he's just become a symbol for an incredibly high achieving martial artist with some really interesting values and uh somebody who blazed a lot of new ground i think one of the reasons people you know worship him if you want to call it that um i, I think there's 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 a there's a good aspect to that and a bad aspect to that if you let me judge and that is the the that he was such an innovator and I think that's a good aspect because if you take it to the, in the right direction, you examine what you've learned and you decide what of it is realistic or helpful to you. Um, in other words, I don't think your whole life should be just accepting the dogma that you learn. I think sometimes you have to view it with a critical eye. That's the good side of what Bruce Lee did. I think there's a lot of people that live in a fantasy world and they use his uh, innovative ideas as an excuse not to really pursue martial art to its true depth right so sword and a shield there's two sides to it i really respect the man i loved his movies um i love his book i love i read every biography that comes out about him um uh but you know uh, an icon still a human being at the same yeah. time thanks for that really thoughtful answer i'm asking this for myself like i brought it up for a reason because i'm trying to reconcile the two sides of what i think of the guy Sensei Dofa? Well, obviously, he's extremely charismatic person, yeah. right? 
very handsome, physically in good shape, very well-spoken, had to overcome lots of adversity as well in his life, like documented adversity, not like made up adversity. So maybe he didn't go mano a mano, but he definitely had his struggles in, in life. That <clears throat> I think Bruce Lee is much the same as all of us on this call. When I think of Bruce Lee, I think about a person who just truly loved martial arts. He just, he just truly loved martial arts. He loved teaching it. He loved, and he wanted, his gift was that he showed it to the world, right? Like that he got a platform to demonstrate it to the world. And then all that collided together, charismatic, handsome, you know, loves martial arts. And now you put him on the biggest stage on the face of the earth and People start lining up to get into the dojos because of that. And that's why he's influential. That's the good side. The bad side, I think, is that he personifies some of the fantasy of martial arts, not the reality of martial arts. And then those people that are trash talking you when you put a realistic comment down, they just want to live in that fantasy realm of what martial arts is. And I don't think Bruce Lee would have actually even liked that. Like, I, I think if we right. talk to him, if he was alive, he'd be like, what, what I know of him and what I've read about him and what I've seen is that he'd probably be like, yeah, those people are bullshit. Like, uh, you know, and it's not just him that that fantasy applies to. How many of us, like, said, Sweeney, I don't think you ever met Jigoro Kano, did you? Ever? No? No. You probably have some fantasies in your brain about how he was or how you wanted mm -hmm. him to be or what it, what it was that you wanted him to be. I know that's the way I feel about Matsumura. The reality is something entirely different, right? I, you know, Bruce Lee sat on the can and had a shit just like the rest of us. He pulled his pants on one leg at a time, just like the rest of us, just like Matsumura and just like Jigeru Kano. But we all love martial arts. We all loved it. Yeah. Um, and we all trained super hard at it. Yeah, that's my thought on him. I really wish I could have met him, Sean, uh, and just had a chat with him, like just talk to him. Yeah. I don't have a desire to train with him. Like, I don't look at his stuff and think, oh, man, like, I'd be so much better if I trained with Bruce Lee. But I would have valued being able to pick that guy's brain for a couple of days. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. I just it's funny. I really love those answers. And they're really helping me because, you know, I talked about this on one of our shows, one of the, the offshoots with Sensei Burkowski. But sometimes, you know, I and I imagine some of us can relate to this, can relate to figures and teachers in our lives and especially the martial arts parentally. And so when I'm five, like I actually fell in love with Bruce Lee before Van Damme and before Rocky. And then when I found out later that he's not perfect, I feel let down. You know, you need your parent to be perfect. And then you're like, oh, fuck, he's not perfect. So now I hate him. Not that I've ever hated him, but you understand what I'm getting. It's like, fuck, he never did this. It's like, okay, you can love him again, Sean. <laughs> he just, he's what you all said is he's a human. Thanks for that. I really appreciate that. He also I, didn't agree to that, Sean. Bruce Lee never agreed to all the shit that we put on him. Right. Right. He never said, yeah. Oh yeah. I want all this. Put me on this pedestal. Kiss my ass. Yeah. Tell everybody in the world that I'm the God of martial arts. He never right. agreed to that. That was just all thrust onto him. Uh, oh, cool. Sorry, Sensei. What were you going to say? I was going to say, you know, as we speak, sometimes things come up and maybe it's a little late, but you know, besides the creator, whoever made us next to life itself, the greatest thing he'd give you, you, we were given is our imagination because from that everything unfolds right 
And he toyed with that. He toyed with our imagination. He stood in front of Karim Jabbar Abdul. I, I'm not quite sure if that's how you say his name. And fought with a gigantic guy. And he was like a fairly small um, human being, right? And he made people see visually, especially the ones that were not initiated in the martial arts, that a small person could overcome big things, big problems. And, and uh, it would change your life in, in that way, right? Everybody wanted to be a good fighter back in those days. And when they saw him, their, their jaws dropped. But he really toyed with your mind. He knew where to go to make you believe. He knew, he knew what to do to set examples. So he, he was great in that way. It does, and again, it doesn't matter what the art is. It does the same thing. Everybody's different art does the same thing to each human being on the inside. So by using those examples, he made everybody feel it inwardly, whether they were going to be martial artists or not. That's badass. Thanks. Uh, we got a question from uh, Justin Shea. Let's, uh, let's throw a camera on Justin, Robert, if you don't mind. And uh, I don't see the question up here. We're going to assume it's not bullshit. He'll pay the price if it is. <laughs> hey, senseis. Hi, have you made the world better yet? <laughs> How's it going? Good. Okay, so... Um, Probably a bit of an abstract question, and this is for anybody. Uh, so as students, we often hear our sensei speak about improving ourselves physically, mentally, and spiritually. But while it's gotten easier to understand how to improve ourselves physically and mentally, such as you know our understanding of anatomy and psychology has improved, how would you suggest students to train their spirituality? Who do you want to go first, Justin? Anyone, Sensei. No, you direct it to somebody. Uh, oh, okay. Uh, Hanshi Legacy, please. Well, it's awareness. Like you can't put your finger on it, but you know that when you're training, there is more than just the physical driving it. And in sort of a Zen state, it brings you, when you do kata, for instance, it brings your body, mind, and spirit together as you're doing the kata each move. And that's what kata is primarily used for on a Zen level, is to bring yourself in the moment as you're doing the move, right? And something greater than just your body has to be behind it. Sort of a universal, it's universal and you pick it up. You just naturally pick it up. Your life, if you took away uh, your body and your mind, or if you took away your spirit, you would not be alive. So in that way, as you're training, you know you are alive. You know that you have a spiritual part of you that you can't touch. For instance, as um, I believe it was Funakoshi who said, you can, you can, uh, Richard Kim, I believe, it, you can, remove the brain, but you can't remove the mind. So 
if you if you look at it in that way, I think that it helps you be aware that you're more than just flesh and bones. Awesome. Sensei Sumino, do you have any thoughts on that? Uh, I'll give you a very personal view of it. And this is uh, kind of an extension of what Hanchi was talking about with the idea of Zen. Uh, Zen is interesting because it, it, my way of viewing it is that Zen involves getting rid of everything that you think so you can perceive truth. And many people think spirituality and religion are the same. For me, they're not. Uh, because if, if, if I think of myself in a, a, a trying to achieve spirituality, it's more of a Zen state. I'm trying to get rid of all the trappings of it. I'm trying to get rid of all the dogma. I'm not trying to be Catholic or Christian or is, is Islamist or anything. I'm trying to have a direct perception of reality. For me, that's spiritual. And it's interesting, at least to me, that the better job I do of putting aside all the bullshit, whether it's my own or anybody else's, the better I'm able to have a direct perception of what's really going on. And to me, that's a spiritual endeavor. Very well said. Thank you, Sensei Suino. Sensei Delfin? Justin, I'll say things to you that you've probably heard me say lots of times, but words are important. When you use a word, a specific word, depending on your background and where you live, it will denote very specific things for you. Um, in spiritual, mostly in North America, has something to do with Christianity. And I don't think that that necessarily applies in the dojo necessarily, because the dojo historically comes from a more Buddhist or Confucius uh, culture, right? Or even Hindu, right? So, um, so when you say body, mind, spirit, Body is a body everywhere you go. Mind is a mind everywhere you go. Spirit is something that will be different depending on the culture, the background, the religion. So when I say body, mind, and spirit in the dojo, often with people who are maybe deeper, I like to just think of tenacity, like have the spirit, have the tenacity, have the aggression to be tough, be like live in that moment, be uncomfortable, like to me, that's also religious, that's spiritual, like being able to, you know, have Sensei Suino slam you on your back and then get up and say, thank you, Sensei, can I have another? Or Sensei Legacy hits you with a reverse punch and knocks your legs out from underneath you. And it takes guts and spirit to get back up on your feet and do it again and then do it again and do it again. But if you want to go to the religious, then I would go to what both Sensei Legacy and Sensei Suino touched on. For me, if it's spirit in terms of religion, then it's spirit in terms of a Buddhist religion. And then it's your martial art teach you to live now, right? Now, that's where the spirit comes. It comes now, you live now, right? Don't worry about what the next technique, or like what the next stance, mm -hmm. what's it, just worry about what you're doing now. And that's how I think as a martial artist, you can block out the other stuff. Don't let your mind think about the book you want to write or the girl or the boy or the, the food you're going to eat later and pay attention to what you're doing now. That's what your martial arts helps you on the spiritual side. Right. Sensei Benson. Um, yeah, I'm going to speak kind of personally as well, but it's going to overlap with a lot of that. Um, you know, my definition of God that I choose to believe in is the great reality. And 
the great reality is everything that is like there is a God or there isn't right. So that if there is a God, God is everything that includes me, by the way. And so for me, the way I tap into that is by a conscious willingness to tap into that. So if the great reality, God, the universe, whatever you want to call it, it exists, whether I'm aware of it or not, because I choose in my conscious mind to ignore God, the universe all the time. And I forget that I'm connected to you and everything else on this planet and in this universe. So I just got to consciously go, bro, you're of God. Get back in touch with what is. I can do that through meditation. I can do that through martial arts. I can do it through sparring. But the willingness to engage a conscious connection. And I would liken that, Justin, to like doing karate. But as Sensei Dolphin talks a lot, you don't do karate when someone attacks you. You just stop them. You know, karate might have trained you for that. But you have to go to an unconsciousness where you don't go stop. I'm a do karate. You grab the chair leg and you beat them to death with it if they're attacking. Right. So that in a way, it goes to me to that phrase of if you meet the Buddha on the road, kill him. And so you use a conscious awareness, you train karate, and in that you find a connection. But when the thing happens or even in a calm day, you want to just be. You have to kill the Buddha. You have to forget karate. You just be. And then whenever you forget, you go back to the conscious state of what trains me. Oh, great. Now I can go unconscious again. But you're unconscious on the other side. Wow, I think my head just exploded. But uh, yeah, that was great. Thank you all very much for your insights. Appreciate it. That's a cool question. I don't know if you guys saw, it wasn't a question, but uh, Sensei Copeland sent a message in and said, um, love you guys, love all you guys through it all. And uh, then he said, happy early birthday to me. But I want to hang on that. He loves all of us through it all. Thanks, Sensei Copeland. He's a great guy. It really is. Yeah. Yeah, it speaks to the fantasy and the reality. Like when you're talking about a guy like that, he meets the expectations on both fronts. Like you can fantasize about how good you want karate to be. He'll be that. And then the reality is going to be something even better. <laughs> mm. <laughs> you know, what's, what's funny about all that is just um, for lack of better words, say there's a God, right? He will always be or she will always be what they are. And then there's there are Catholics, there are Protestants, mm. there are Jews. And, and now they're fighting against each other because they want to say that they're right about who he is. He's just already what he is. The, the feeble way that you're trying to explain it or killing other people over it is absolutely crazy. There have been more wars over that and more people <laughs> over that for absolutely no real reason. God is God, or infinity is infinity. Whatever it is, I don't believe anybody knows what it is. Not truly. So it's a bit crazy, isn't it? Very crazy. Oh, yeah. And, and isn't it strange we don't become God, but we become slightly more godlike when we stick with this martial arts business long enough? You know, the young people mm -hmm. are running around trying to prove themselves, trying to come up with different theories, 
you know, trying different stuff, spending their energy inefficiently. And eventually you do this long enough and you just sort of, sit, you become who you are and that's all there is to it. <laughs> that's all there is to it. Yeah. Well, you know, Sensei Dauphin, you used to talk about that, like, you know, being further along the path, you'd be like, I just like karate's just a part of me. And, and I was a serious martial artist, but I, I didn't have that feeling, if that makes sense. And then it goes back to what I said about like, we're of God, like, like, I believe this is true for all of us, obviously, but like, I'm a drop of karate in the pool of karate. So karate is not separate from me. It can't be. I, it can't if be. All, if all humans disappeared off the face of the earth, karate's gone too. It That's just right. disappears instantly when we're gone. It will have been here one time ago, like dinosaurs, but it has to exist with us. Like you can't, karate doesn't exist separate from humans. Like that's it. If we're all gone, it's gone too. It lives through us. Or Yaido or whatever it is, like whatever your martial art is. We said karate, but it's judo, it's whatever. I don't know how judo exists tomorrow. Like if, in the way that humans define it, if there's no more humans here to do it and express it. Like, that's why I tell students all the time, like, you should be so excited when you, you receive a technique. You receive a technique that's crazy, like incredible, right? Like, I once received a technique from Sense of Legacy, a spinning wheel kick that was like, in my brain, it stands out in infamy. Like, it's one of the best all time... I am so happy that I was there to receive that technique and karate could live through us in that way. Cause if we both weren't there doing that, it just doesn't happen. It never happens. It's just something theoretical. It's only the fantasy, not the reality. Do you guys mind if I read a ballet quote that applies a hundred percent to that? Martha Graham basically invented modern dance. And this was a quote to a high level dancer who was frustrated. You'll see why I'm reading it. There's a vitality. She was responding to her frustrations. She said, there's a vitality, a life force, a quickening that is translated through you into action. And there is only one of you in all time. Your expression is unique. And if you block it, it will never exist through any other medium. It will be lost. The world will not have it. It's your business to keep it yours clearly and directly and keep the channel open. No artist is pleased. There is no satisfaction. There's a queer divine dissatisfaction, a blessed unrest that keeps us marching and makes us more alive than the others. That's interesting. She'd have been a great martial artist. Yeah, yeah. That notion of a a dissatisfaction, right? That you, and we've talked about this on the show. If you ever decide, yeah, my shit's good enough. Right. That's when it stops getting better. <laughs> I mean, why, why would we all be students still? Right. If, if we're satisfied, we just, fuck, I got this. The books. Mm-hmm. That's the one of the things I like is uh, to me, a level of mastery is when you know your mistake. Often, so oftentimes like a white belt or a beginner tricks themselves in their mind. They're like, yeah, I did it right. And then when you show them, they're like, holy shit, that's what I look like. <laughs> like, that's how I did it right whereas all the people on this call like there's no way that Sensuino would grab a hold of his sword and pull it out and not know instantly every flaw in the movement that he had just made 
Mm. Or a sense of legacy would not like, you know, be do Pina Niden, the entire the totality of the kata. And at the end, if you asked him what mistakes did you make, he would go, This, 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 this is what I wished I had done better, different, stronger. Whereas, you know, a white belt going for it, what do you mean? It was amazing. That was perfect. <laughs> like I loved it. <laughs> So let me throw this to you, Hanshi, just because, you know, like in terms of the karate, especially this, where does letting go of that? Like, where does the Zen of the kata, i.e. the mindlessness, meet with the awareness of the mistake? Well, it's, it's not so much on the physical mistake as to the ride that you're going on. You know, I mean, people do the same kata different ways. It's the ride sort of that you can't see. If I, I was going to elaborate on what Randy said, would there be a God if there were no human beings? Right? And to me, like, uh, when you see it raining and there are millions and billions of drops, say, representing spirit, spirituality of mankind, when you're standing in the ocean, say you're standing under the water, point to one drop. You can't, right? It's just uh, like spirituality. You can't put your finger on it. So if the raindrops represented human beings, the religious part or the spiritual part, you really can't put your finger on it. It's a little bit like mercury. It's there, but you can't put your finger on it. I often think of that about not being able, looking at the ocean and not being able to see a drop. But the entire ocean is made of drops. So it's something like that when you're doing kata. Right? You're just in the now, you're in a place. And like pencil zen, you know, if I was drawing a line with a pencil and then you'd see the pencil line and then when I pulled the pencil off, it would be a blank. Can you tell me where the now is? <laughs> is it at the end of the line? Or is it the beginning of the gap? And if so, point to it. You can. It's impossible. We are, our brains aren't big enough to figure that out. So. We do our best. Everybody's always working towards perfection. Nobody's ever going to get there because we, we really don't know what it is. Blessed unrest. Well, and one of the one of the conflicts or challenges, the conundrum that we face is you have to be in pursuit of perfection to experience those moments, but you can't be obsessed with it in the moment, right? So. Mm -hmm there's a lifetime path that's the pursuit of perfection and there's the moment of letting go. I know some of my best moments in a martial arts have been where I've been so overwhelmed by something, life or whatever, where I've just let go and the martial arts flows out of you, right? But that moment doesn't happen without all the obsession about being perfect ahead of time. It's a really, it's a, it's a teeter-totter between the, the, the intense focus on progress and the ability to let go of it in the moment. 
You have to I won't mute. let it flow out of me into another person on the road and they laid next to my car for a little while. <laughs> <laughs> That's the moment. It's like training, being conscious of training. And then if all of a sudden you're threatened, you have to let go of everything in order to be able to be in that moment and let your body react because it's no time to start thinking. You've already done your training. <laughs> I once said to Leo Laux, the world kickboxing champion, you're only as good as you are right now. And I've been in places where he's doing speeches and stuff and he's used that and looked right at me. Sort of like to make me feel good that I once taught him that lesson. You said that once since we were standing in a backyard in Windsor. And one of my family members said, we were all standing there on the porch and he said, you know, Randy, I'm going to train. Like I'm going to train all year and next year I'm going to fight you and I'm going to kick your ass. And you said, you see, that's the difference between you and him. You're going to have to train all year to even convince yourself that you're going to be ready. And he's ready right now. <laughs> Sensei Suino, did you have a question about training? Did you have a concept you wanted to throw out? He did. did. I wrote it down. I, know I did. It. And how appropriate that you follow up a conversation about Leo Lauchs with this. Um, the conversation was, as martial arts teachers, the question was, as martial arts teachers, uh, if you had a student who it became clear to you over months or years with you that they were destined for world-class martial arts status, whether they're destined to be a great tournament fighter or a great kata performer, um, how would you, what would you do with them to ensure that that would happen, right? There's everyday Joes and the goal there is to make them as strong and fit and mentally healthy as you can, share the martial art with them, hope that they get where, get what out of it that what they're looking for. But there's another very small class of people that are, that at some point becomes obvious are going to be exceptional. What do you do for them? You're asking me. It's, I'll start with you. Okay. Um, that's why you need, you're a quitter before 30 years. If you, because you need to be the sensei who can handle that. You need to be able to lead the weakest and the strongest persons at the same time. And if you haven't trained in a classical karate club and picked up all the information and all the strength from Matsumura to us right now, you have all that to rely on to help train. Whereas if you're just the guy who's buys himself a black belt there and goes out and starts teaching, he would never be able to handle something like that. He would, he, he would see what a lousy job he would do. Because you have to build character along with somebody like that. You can't just have a guy who can punch really good. You have to have somebody who has strong character and can stand in the eye of the tornado and be calm. And that's your job. That's why for the people out there, a samurai translated, I believe, into English means 
manservant or servant. It's our duty to train people like that. Forget the hell out of the dojo and let somebody else do it who can. That's my opinion. We can do it. You can do it. Look, you've trained Randy and made him a great swordsman. You saw the potential in him and you allowed his potential to grow. Maybe sometimes it even takes getting out of the way. And it's our duty to make our students better than us so that martial arts can face the future and survive. Or if you're too jealous to let your student be better than you, then karate goes in a ditch and it's just like anything. Really good point, absolutely. Randy, do you have any thoughts on this? I have a couple of thoughts on this. So one, <clears throat> I just wanna, I think it's very difficult to be able to tell something by physically looking at it, right? Like by looking at a student and saying, look, they got big arms, big legs, they move fast. They, I, I think it's more a mental thing, right? Like I think that, um, you know, it's good that there's a physical connection to it, but if, you know, you can, I don't care how big and fast you are. If you got like a brain that big, like you're going to get your ass kicked it every day over and over again. Right. But, but that wasn't really your question. Your question, your question was about if you knew, right. So I know they're smart. I know they're physically. Um, one thing I think uh, you just, as the teacher, like I sensei is saying, it's not about you. Don't make it about you. Keep yourself out of the equation. Help that person. Um, they're going to be good regardless. So just be uh, happy that you have your opportunity to be working with them. Because if it's not you, they're going to be good regardless. If they have the drive, they have the brain, they have the ability. How many great students have you seen come out of the shittiest dojos with the crappiest teachers? There's actually quite a, there's more out there than you actually think. I, I could like four or five jump into my brain right away. Like, uh, since there's one from Guelph that you and I talked about many times where we were like, that guy was good in spite of his teacher, not because of his teacher, right? Do you want to mention what I said to you as I was tying your yellow belt around your waist? Yeah, I did think about that. Um, so one thing that Sensei Lacey said to me when I got my yellow belt, so that's after a good like, you know, nine months of training. Uh, I trained hard to get my yellow belt too. Like I don't, three times a week for sure. Like two to three times a week. And he said, you by far are not the best person grading today. <clears throat> and I was like, oh, <laughs> not that I thought that I was. I like I knew, that, I knew that I wasn't. I even can remember back being yellow belt, knowing that I was not the best one. Um, but he just said, like, if I was going to pick one person in this entire grading that was going to get a black belt, all the levels I'd pick you. Right. So he could see that in me then, like I couldn't see it in myself. And I think that's maybe one of the things Sensus Fino is that, you know, as a teacher, what is the value that you have for that person is you're going to see things inside of them that they don't see inside of themselves yet, no matter how physically good they are, how much they can dominate, they will not see that stuff inside of themselves yet, but you'll see it because you're that much farther ahead of the curve. And then you'll start to make them believe it. And then when they believe what they know and what you see, and that all comes together, I think that's, 
that's going to be an incredible thing. And then, you know, I just want to say that training does always close the gap, right? Like you could be the toughest yellow belt in the group of people. After time, those people that you dominated as the yellow belt, you're not going to dominate them as easily when you're black belts. You won't dominate them as easily when you're third ends. If you joined with somebody that you could dominate, kill them when they were a yellow belt, and now you're a fifth end together, you're probably in for the fight of your life every time you have to fight them. Um, yeah. The only other thing I would say I about people who are really physically and mentally, like they're capable and they can do it. As an instructor, you should find lots of situations for them to fail and be uncomfortable and be challenged. It wouldn't surprise anybody to hear me say that, but you know, find, making them feel uncomfortable, making them have to fail, making them have to pick themselves up is gonna help them a lot more than just, here's some more food for the lion, right? Like that's not gonna help them as much. <clears throat> Sean, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Sensei, I don't have a ton, and th this might not surprise you. I'd get them to my senseis, and I'd get the fuck out of the way. Uh, <laughs> I am a very good teacher. I'm a very good martial artist, but that competition aspect is something I have so little experience in, and to bring someone to that level, I'm not the guy. I can drive them to the guy or the woman, uh, and I would, and I'd be happy to. So I'd be in the get-out-of-the-way camp, but facilitate every chance I could if I, if I saw that growth. Um, I just want to add real quick, Hanshi, I don't know if you'll remember, but what you said at my yellow belt grading, I had hit a guy, this was back before we were wearing pads and split his eye open. And as you were considering whether or not to tie my belts on me or not, you looked at him, his name was Liam. You looked back at me and you went, you're lucky he's not a whiner or you wouldn't be getting this. And then you looked at him <laughs> And you went, welcome to karate. And you gave me my pound. <laughs> it was close. Anyways, that's my answer, Sensei Serena. I'd have, to, I'd have to find the right people. I'd like to hear your answer, Sensei Serena. I'd like you to answer your own question. You must have some thoughts on it. Pose the question back to me so I can process it. Um, okay, the question is, when you identify a student as an elite martial artist or has having incredible potential how do you train them differently than i don't i don't want to say recreational but the, the average person who doesn't have those same drive and aspirations um or abilities or capabilities i'm trying to use real examples i'm trying to think back to the real history of some of the incredible martial artists i've worked with um and, and be very practical about this. Uh, uh, I think I listen a little more closely to them. I think I pay a little more attention to them when they're training. Uh, I'm usually a little less polite to them. <laughs> <laughs> well, because they don't need encouragement, right? Like you said, give them an opportunity to fail. Uh, you know, some of the people I'm talking about, I just, I, I just a, a little bit more honest with them or, I don't think that's the right word. Uh, just I don't I don't I don't put velvet gloves on my criticism of people who are really good. Um, but also, I try to make sure they understand that I'm there for them. That's the thing, you know. Hanchi said something about you know just the eye of the hurricane, and a couple of you guys have kind of said get out of the way. Um, but 
one of the things about most of those people is they also love the dojo. And I want to make sure that love continues while they're engaged in that process of learning. So I'm there like a, like a, I don't know, you know, I've thought a lot about this and this may be a question for a whole nother show is that what do you call relationships in the martial arts? You and I, we all know, you know, everybody on these calls knows what it means when you say, I've got a sensei student relationship. Um, but outsiders don't know that. So what is it like? Is it like a father and son relationship? Is it an uncle nephew, you know, or uncle niece? Um, you know, is it a, is it an older brother, younger brother relationship? I don't really know, but with those really gifted students, there's this really special kind of relationship that arises between a teacher and a student, which I treasure, which I treasure. They're some of the best relationships I have in my life. Um, yeah, I got to make sure people know you love them. Yeah, it's interesting you say that since, you know, so the first thought that jumped to mind was if my dad, who did beat my ass, beat my ass as many times as since the legacy did, he'd be in jail for sure. <laughs> right. <laughs> so that's one thing. But uh, I do appreciate the fact, I, I mean, at least for myself, one of the things I really value about uh, yourself, Sensei you know, and Sense of Legacy as my teachers is that I like that things aren't sugarcoated. Like, I like that when I come yeah. in the dojo, if I, if I do a particular cut or like, you know, if I do something and I say, how was it? If it was not good, I know I'm good. That sucked. And I know that it won't, it won't really matter even like that other people could be standing around when that criticism is delivered. I actually like, I personally, yeah. I value that because, and you value it more and more, the longer you train, the more you value it because there's just more and more people lined up behind you to kiss your butt and tell you you're great. And none of that stuff is actually really true. But I also do like the fact that you said like, you know, if I had to leave this dojo right now and I couldn't go home, like I could not go home, like you can't go there. Where are like the two top places in the world you're going to go to where the door is going to get open. You're going to get a plate of food. You're gonna, I'm going to be going to Michigan or London, where Sense Legacy is. Like that's those are my first two go-tos right away. So I don't know what that says about the sense of student relationship, but that's something different, right? But that's where I'm going. And then I hope it goes the other way too, right? Sensei, like that's one of the things that I hope too is that um, when that relationship is built, that the teacher also knows that I'm going to that student. Like that's where I'm going. That's the place I'm going. If I need some help, that's where I'm going to be going. Right. Cause I said too, but I mean, the reality is I, I know that the answer is I could go to Benson's sense whenever I wanted, even if he wasn't there, if I broke the window and climbed in and ate all his food and slept in his bed. And when he got there, I said, I couldn't go home and it was cold and I smashed your window and climbed in and I ate your food. He'd be like, it's so good to see you. Like, yeah. so nice to see you. Yeah. Um, just, we got a beep here from Sensei Copeland who said, come to Windsor, dude, I have food. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's a great note to, to put a button on it. And Sensei Suino, how fucking happy are you? About everything? 10 p.m. is 10 oh, p.m. yeah. Well, it's 1001, yeah. 1001, Sean. Man, you had it, but you let me down. Come yeah, on. You're so close to the gold. And no um, hoodie. Yeah. Don't let uh, it happen again. Anybody want to go out on anything? Should we go around the horn or should we just let that be it and talk about 
our upcoming shows. What do you think, Sensei Dauphin? I don't, I'm not going to build on that. Like, I mean, that's yeah. it. I just, I love all these people on this call, yeah. you know, since Copeland's saying like, we got the best fucking community in the world. Yeah, like we do. that type martial arts community. There's no other community that I want to belong to. Like, and there's no other time in history that I want to train than other than with all these people that we have around us. Yep. This is the glory days. This is the golden age right now. Yeah. yeah. So I don't want to talk about the next guest. I'd really like Sensei Sweeney to talk about the next guest. Great. Our next guest will be with us. I believe it is on December 16th. Is that correct? That is so correct. we're taking a one-week hiatus, and then we're going to come back on December 16th, Thursday, 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time, and talk with Lance Gatling, a really interesting human being, a former tank commander in the U.S. Army. He lives in Tokyo. He's in the business of selling radar and munition systems. Um, he has been studying judo and Nihon Jiu-Jitsu for many, many years. He's a um, self-taught historian and one of the leading scholars on the history of judo and of Professor Pano, who we were talking about earlier. Um, he's a fascinating guy. I've known him for years. We've trained together. We've drank coffee in uh, Harajuku on the streets of the mean streets of Tokyo. Um, we've had pizza in a three-star Michelin pizza joint in Tokyo. Uh, um, uh, we know a lot of the same people. He's respected uh, all over the world for his scholarship. And I think you're going to find him. He's, he's also got a lot of character. I think you're going to find him really interesting. And um, it's going to be well worth tuning into that show. Man, what could be better than having a show where you have two people with the last name, one legacy, and the other Gatling? Like, that's two best, <laughs> best last names. Absolutely. Life. Right? <laughs> that's badass. I love me some Harajuku, man. Oh, yeah. Great You know place. I love that vibe there, that whole, yes, sir. That whole thing. I know where to get good coffee in Harajuku. Yeah. Right on. Well, I think that's it, everybody. Wow, what a show. This is one of my favorites we've ever had. I can just say that right now. I'm sure we'll text each other that after, but I love all three of you. And, and to our guests, uh, whether you're watching in real time or whether you're catching us later, um, it means the world that you're here with us. And I'm just going to say thank you to people who help us run the show. I have favorited this, so I don't have to look it up every time. You think, uh, you think I'd have done that sooner. I just want to say thanks to Victoria Feth, Andre Sedeshev, to Alden Adair, to Justin Shea, to Mike Russell, and to Robert Shlomsky, who's running the show tonight. We can't have this show without y'all. We really appreciate your work. Thank you, guys. Yeah, rock on. Talk to everybody soon. Rock and roll. Very soon. And uh, make sure you wish Sensei Dolphin a happy birthday in uh, two hours, one hour and 56 minutes. Just saying. Hashtag. Mm. <laughs> I'll be sleeping. Happy birthday, old guy. <laughs> Happy effing birthday.